Welcome to Enneagram Conversations with Jackie Brewster and Courtney Barman, where you'll uncover and discover more about yourself and others through the helpful tool of the Enneagram. I'm your host, Julie Underwood. Welcome back, everyone. We are on part two of our two-part episode on fear and worry and how they relate to each Enneagram number. So today we are going to finish off with Enneagram number six through nine. And please bear with me with my voice. I've got a little bit of a scratchy voice today, but that will not stop us from jumping in to fear and worry. All right, well, let's jump into our sixes. Jackie, your daughter is a six. Yes. So as an Enneagram six, um, what fear and worry looks like when it enters the picture, it's it's a little different for an Enneagram six. It kind of splits down the middle. When we talk about Enneagram numbers, there's three different ways each number shows up, which is subtypes. We'll be talking about that in some podcasts down the road. But inside of that, that really gives us a in-depth insight into each number. So each number has access to three different ways that your personality shows up. And for a six, there is a cautious six. There is a type of six that is going to go into their fear and conquer their fear. And then there's also one that's kind of split down the middle and they are a little bit of both where they are cautious and they're going to go after it. And so when we're talking about the six, even what we write, like when Courtney and I put stuff out on socials or memes that you see about sixes, a lot of the pushback I get from sixes is like, hey, you're only saying one side of it. So I want to try to hold space for both sides of this today, that when fear and worry enter the picture, it looks two different ways. It can look very different. I'll say it like this. I was sitting at a, in a session with Ian Cron and Beatrice Justin a couple of years ago at a teaching, and they did this really in-depth thing on, on subtypes, and they had us all break up into our numbers, and then in the table, they had you break up into subtypes. And so they got to the sixes, and they had these two women stand up. And one of them, they both flew in from out of town. They both flew to Nashville. One of them, um, he said, let's start with you. What type of six are you? And she's like, I'm a self-preservation six. And he said, how'd you get on the plane? And she said, well, I get nervous when I fly. So I have my book and I have my headphones and I have my snacks. And so I just kind of kept my head down and I walked on the plane and I sat down in my seat and I didn't make eye contact with anybody, put my headphones in and then opened my book as if I was reading. I'm just not going to pay attention to anybody. And the other girl was like, I think I'm mistyped. I don't think that I'm a six then. She was hilarious. And she's like, that is not how I walked on the plane. You are not how I walked on the plane. I walked on that plane with my eyes looking at every single person on that plane. And I made sure like, I see you and you see me. If you do anything stupid, I will take you down. (laughs) And he said, this is the difference between the two types of sixes. One of them is more cautious and can even be a little bit more withdrawn in this. And the other one, the other type of six is much more um, willing to go into their fear um, and and they're not going to let their fear control them or anything like that. And so just as we hold space for the sixes today, I thought even hearing that might make sense because you might be a six and feel a little confused, or you might know sixes that look pretty different. And I'm raising a daughter that sits right between that. So I hear there's some caution in her and then she plows forward after her fears. Um, and it's super, super neat to watch uh-huh. her do this. So when fear and worry enter the picture, they do typically need a lot of support. And so losing support can be fearful, but they also fear losing their independence. 
So it's kind of this tug of war within a six. Like I want to be my own person. I want to be independent, but I also feel like I need the support and guidance to help me. And so that can be overwhelming for the six in general, just like I want it and I don't want it. And so it's kind of like a tug of war inside of themselves. They are loyal to the organization or institution or group of people that they feel connected to and supported by, yet there's always this little bit of anxiety about putting their trust fully in anyone or anything, and this can cause them to be more cautious. They slow things down sometimes because they just want to know, like, do we ask the right questions? Is this the best thing to do? Is this the group I want to be a part of? Are they doing the right thing? Uh, So there is some caution to this for sure. They often seek guidance by aligning themselves with rules and procedures and philosophies that they believe will bring truth and balance to them. This is where I feel like the six can oftentimes mistype as a one. I have people that come to me that are between the two. They're like, I don't know. I don't know. And um, that's a whole different conversation. But this is that rules, procedures. They want to know what to expect. And a six does. They want to know what to expect. And sixes, they also, you know, the ones that move into their fear, um, they want to conquer it. They don't want to be controlled by their fears and they want to control whatever, you know, has a potential to control them. And that can feel like an eight. And so the six can ping different numbers here based on how they deal with fear and worry. What does this look like? And my daughter is a six, so she's in college and she's loving life. She's doing all the college things. But when she was little, it showed up like this. Like we would go to the store and and she's going to go get an outfit or whatever. And back then it was justice. Okay. So justice and, you know, all the fun outfits at justice. So bring her in and she's overwhelmed, automatically overwhelmed by the store. Okay. It's already overstimulating, not the seven, but that six is. And so I get all the stuff and she's like, I'm just going to go to the fitting room and y'all can bring me out. Outfits. Mm-hmm. So I'd bring her outfits and she put her little outfits together and then it was justice. And unless it was on sale, it was expensive. Okay. So it would be like, okay, so you can pick two out of the five, two out of the five outfits. And then we'd be in tears because she doesn't know which two she should pick. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh. And so then I just bought five of them because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and as a seven, <laughs> I'm like, make it stop. Fine. You can have all of them. But when you're really thinking about the six, the overwhelming, like, I don't want to make the wrong decision. Um, it's not this fearful, mousy person at all, you guys. It is this person that is like, I want to be on the right side of things a lot like a yeah. one. I don't want to be controlled by things like an eight. And I want to align myself with the right things. And so yeah. it's typically not mousy. Like we oftentimes think that sixers are like, I'm just afraid. No, they're not. They're cautious, but not necessarily afraid in the way that we think. All right. So we're rounding the corner with our final three Enneagram numbers. And Courtney, you get the honor of unpacking the Enneagram seven. Jackie and I are both Enneagram sevens. So we're going to sit back and and live in our fear and worry of being exposed, uh, just like the rest of you. (laughs) Let's let's look at sevens. And yeah, if you guys feel free to jump in or, you know, let me know what you think. But basically sevens are more of the independent or assertive stance. So they they're not going to run to others to avoid their fear and worry. They're going to actually stand independent, figure out what's going on, and they keep to themselves and they keep busy and distracted. And I'm sure none of you can relate to that. <laughs> okay, when fear and worry enter the picture for a seven, it can look like uh, restlessness, you know, just a need for more, more, more stimulation. You know, if, you know, two or three is good, five or six is even better, you know, just kind of make it more, make it bigger, make it louder, that sort of thing. 
They like to have many options available to them and enjoy staying busy. Um, this is one way that they kind of mask their fear and their worry with a smile on their face. You know, it's kind of like denial for them a little bit. And so then for the people that they're with, they're not going to step into it because it's like, she's great. We're great. We're having a good time. This is fun. They do a really good job of just kind of keeping that smile on their face and just keeping the plate spinning. Um, you wouldn't know necessarily that fear and worry have entered the picture. Um, they tend to get hypercritical of themselves and the people that are close to them. This is kind of that path we talked about with the one, remember, Vacation Derek. He has a lot of fun. He goes to a seven when he is doing great. And sevens in stress move to the one. And one of the hallmarks of an unhealthy one is that just hypercritical you know, of yourself and of the people around you. And then the seven can tend to take that on if they're really um, not in a great place with fear and with worry and stress. They can also be pushy and demanding. So they can, you know, kind of push on people, expect things. And sevens, correct me if I'm wrong, they probably don't feel bad about expressing those feelings either, where it's like, hey, I want this, or I want you to do this. I need this. Where some types, they might hang on to that a little bit. They might, you know, be long suffering or hope that someone will get the message. But sevens have no problem saying, no, this is what I want. And I'd like to do this now. You know, I want to go to this new breakfast place or I want to go get this pair of jeans. This is what I want to do. So those are a couple thoughts as far as what sevens look like. So does this stress and worry sound familiar? <laughs> Anything you'd like to add, feel free. I'm up next. So don't worry. I can definitely see how I can be hypercritical when I'm stressed. It's like I'm in a tunnel and I can only see everything that's wrong. I, I've tried to tame that, but there's always a little bit of that there if, if there is something coming up, whether it's an event or like I said, guests coming into town the night before I will be painting molding or something. And my husband's always taking a picture like, hey guys, thanks for coming. This molding, I guess, really needed to be painted. Yes, I 100% can identify with that. No, I'm definitely hypercritical for sure to Steven. So it's not everybody. It's just very much focused on myself. And then him could be my kiddos too. So if I'm super worried or anxious when I enter into an environment, I can almost feel a little like frantic or I don't even know if that's like the right too much word. caffeine, like, ah, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I can just be like, Hey, how you doing? Right. You know, and you're trying to like, this is uncomfortable. I'm not really sure. And then I say things I shouldn't say sometimes. And, you know, it's like, I just kind of get ahead of myself when I feel yes. fearful and worried. Yes, fear and worry definitely plays a big role. And because the seven, I think, tries to suppress a lot of emotions, it just comes out weird. It can definitely come out in like consumerism. Like, I just want what I want. So I'm going to throw caution to the wind or, you know, I feel worried or I, whatever right now. I'm just going to go get myself a coffee to try to soothe something. You know what I mean? It's like, what do I need right now to, to calm this feeling? I don't like this feeling down. I love that you said that about entering a new situation or a party. My husband has a name for her and her name is Party Julie. And he's like, hey, can we just keep Party Julie in the car? Because it does come across as like, I'll just say something really weird. And we have a lot of stories, some of them not appropriate for this podcast, yes. of where something like comes out of my mouth and I cannot believe like the brain and mouth connection did not compute at that moment. So it makes really funny stories, but it's a good thing that sevens aren't super easily embarrassed because I would yes. be mortified. So Jackie, it's your turn to put the eight in the hot seat. So 
I'm going to be super careful about putting the eight in the hot seat because, you know, they don't want to be exposed, made to look stupid, be, seem incompetent or any way at all. And so having us talk about, hey, so this is what happens when you become fearful and worried. They might be like, button that up. Why are you telling people? You know, my <laughs> husband has a three. He'd be like, why are you exposing all my stuff to everybody? The eight can feel the same way in this where the sevens are like, here it is, world. <laughs> the eight oh, looks wow. a little bit different where they're like, don't be telling people my business. So when fear and worry enter the picture for an eight, it does look different. So it can look like when an eight becomes fearful that they won't have enough resources to accomplish the projects that they have on their agenda. And this at times makes the eight push to protect their plan. So if they feel like people are not on board or they're not going to have what they need, that can cause an eight to get into the worry mode of where I'm like, wait, how is this going to limit me? Is this going to get in the way of what I wanted to do? Um, or how come you can't respect that this is what I asked for and this is what I need? So we'll hear that big piece around respect that happens in an eight. Um, and female and male eights, they want respect. They want love, but they want respect. So when fear and worry enter the picture for an eight, it typically has to do with something being off kilter. Like they don't feel like they're being respected. They don't feel like they have the resources that they need. They don't like the way that they're being portrayed. Entering into a room, they don't know where they stand in the room. So that's not comfortable. So we'll see some fear and worry come up in the eight. And there's two different, you know, there's the eight that's like loud and boisterous and we feel their presence um, and they make themselves known. And then there's the other type of eight that which this would be an eight with a nine wing, that they are quiet, but we still feel their presence. They're just quiet. You know, one of my friends is like, my husband, he walks into a room and he walks into the floor and takes up the space. And I thought, oh, that's a really interesting description. He's not loud and boisterous and big and bold on the outside, but he's like a quiet presence that you feel. And so we'll feel some of that from an eight, especially when they feel fearful or worried. We might feel a little uptick in this to some degree or another, but they really want to protect the people that they care about. And this will cause them to be forceful and even perhaps demanding at times. So that's another part of it. If they feel like their people are not being respected or cared for or loved or supported, we'll see them come in in a pretty strong way here. They may take matters into their own hands and become crafty and even cunning, trying to get the resources they need or want when fear and worry enter the picture. You know, that's an interesting, I'd love to hear, Courtney, your take on that as we finish this eight up too, because crafting and cunning doesn't always sound like a positive thing here. This is me as a seven one to reframe. You guys are great. Like, let's reframe this. It's great. It's great. But it is part of that, like, okay, let's get our hands on it. What does this actually mean? Because... It's when you're fearful and worry, we'll see you try to fix the situation exactly. with the tools that you know how to do it with, just like all of us will. So where a two, they're going to go nice, sweet, kind, gentle, how can I help you? An eight is not necessarily going to do that. An eight might go like, okay, this is it. I've got the plan. Let's go. This is everybody's piece to the puzzle and we're moving forward. Um, so crafting the plan, figuring out how do I get back on top of this thing? How do I get back in control of the situation, not in control of people? And they can be competitive and guarded. And, you know, they oftentimes hold their feelings close to their chest. And especially when they feel fearful and worried, they're not going to expose themselves. You know, they don't believe that it's okay to be vulnerable and to trust anyone at the core of who they are. And so if they let you in, then they really expect that you will respect them and respect that they let you in um, and honor that space that they have given you. 
So you were talking about the being crafty and cunning. I think it's exactly what you said, where those words are kind of can feel negative or sneaky. I mean, early on, right, most eights got the message, like, if you want something done, you're going to need to do it yourself. You need to figure this out because the people in charge are not doing it for whatever reason. This is the perception of the eight, not casting judgment on caretakers or um, family family dynamics. But it, it, so it's not sneaky. It's just more like if something feels unsettled, I need to fix this, you know, because I'm not going to rely on anyone else mm-hmm. to do that. So that's that, again, that independent stance, that sort of thing. And I think the other thing that really resonates with me is, you know, looking stupid or looking incompetent. You know, a couple of weeks ago now, I think we had our little uh, like event online and you were so sweet because you saw me struggling reading. Like I struggle with dyslexia and for the most part in my life, that's not that huge of a deal. Very rarely am I reading publicly. But one time I was at a ministry thing and there was like a teleprompter and we were doing this like ad, so to speak, in front of people. And I was like literally almost in tears because I, lo- I felt like I looked so stupid. Like it was just a teleprompter and I couldn't read it. I'm sweaty. The lights are bright. The person with me was a three and she's like killing it. And it was just like, I could not do it. I think I literally just maybe said one word and just smiled like that. They just edited it down. They're like, how about you just stand here and smile and do the things. So fast forward. And then Jackie last week just puts my little things in like bullets and is like, don't worry about it. You're great. And it just like spoke so much love to me because she's like, oh, she wants me to succeed. Like she sees me, she sees me struggle and she doesn't uh, think less of me, but actually just really wants me to do a good job. Like that spoke so much love um, where there was worry and where there was concern, if that makes sense. One of the things that I think is so interesting on the craft, you're going to have to figure out how to do it yourself. And I love that you said this isn't about families because I'm raising an eight and we have a pretty stable home. And there's still parts of her story, though, that um, she feels like I can't be vulnerable to trust anybody. I have to do this all on my own. So she she oftentimes goes to sleep with like perfume (laughs) in her bed that she's going to spray anybody with perfume or these little things that she is trying to figure out. How do I create safety for myself with the resources that I have at hand? Um, So that crafty piece, it doesn't have to be deceptive or sneaky or anything like that. It feels undercutting or like when we say it, like we're going after people or we're trying to undermine or be like get get a one up. And it's not that like, or at least for me, that is not my experience. I'm not trying to take anybody down. I feel like an eight could be summed up with respect and resourceful. Mm -hmm. I feel like cutting, like we said, that, that just has a negative connotation to it, but resourceful is great. Thanks, Courtney, for sharing with us all of that. I know that was a little exposing, but we super, super appreciate it. I think it always helps to hear a real life version of these Enneagram numbers. I think sometimes it can just feel like words, but when you put it into a story, you're like, oh, there I am. Or, oh, oh, that makes so much more sense to me. All right, Courtney, let's look at the Enneagram nine, the peaceful mediator, or are they? (laughs) <laughs> wouldn't that be the wouldn't that be the real twist here? Good thing you guys stuck around to the end. You think it's the eights you gotta watch out for, it's the nines. So, okay. In my life, they hold so much space for myself, for others. One thing about a nine is that they do not like chaos and confusion. They don't like feeling, gosh, the the stress, the tension. You know, they don't want to feel unsettled or unsure, basically. So when we talk about fear and worry, that is not a comfortable or fun place for them. And it's not necessarily for anybody, but especially for a nine, they're they not enjoying this. 
So nines tend to withdraw. So we talked about all these different postures. Nines tend to withdraw and retreat because they feel the conflict, you know, that whatever's happening in front of them ruins the peaceful environment that they want. So when we say retreat, you know, oftentimes with clients, I'll talk about how they actually like retreat into their mind. Like it's safe in here, you know, and I kind of play like the, in my mind, I'm like, do, 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 do. It's like the happy music in their head because what's happening out in front of them is really stressful and they don't want to deal with it. Um, they tend to avoid hard conversations and situations, even people, um, if there's a potential for conflict to arise. And as an eight, I have very strong feelings about this because it usually goes too long. You know, sometimes it's it's like my dad used to sell, or my dad still sells cars, but he would be like, tell me immediately when the car starts making a noise. Don't wait and just hope it gets better. Because, you know, sometimes things will work themselves out, but very rarely does it work itself out really well. And a difficult conversation, nines do not love those, but it's better to do it, I don't know, in a timely manner than after things have blown up. So that's my PSA from an eight. But nines do not love that. They tend to stop speaking up for themselves and for what they want, and they just kind of go with the flow in order to avoid arguments or confrontations. You know, they might feel exhausted. They might feel, well, if I speak up, I'm just going to ruin the peace. And quite frankly, maybe I don't even really have an opinion. I don't care if we get Mexican or Italian or do whatever, you know, or even worse, if it's a really big thing and it's like either I don't know how I feel or again, I don't really want to upset things. So I'm just going to let it slide. I'm just going to show up physically but maybe not emotionally or mentally. And they say yes to things they really don't want to do. You know, they tend to overcommit. So even when they're saying yes, they're probably thinking, how can, how can I get out of this? Can I get out of this? I, I should probably not say yes. But I, again, I don't want to ruin the peace. So the bottom line with our lovely nines, when fear and worry are present, the Enneagram nine tends to not be present. They tend to retreat. They tend to not show up as well as they could or should in, in times of health. And they maybe agree to, they maybe short, you know, cut their legs out from under them. They, they're not as fully present and just, you know, the, the bigger picture of who they could and should be. I feel like a lot of people speak of the nines as a peacekeeper, but really, I don't necessarily know if that's their motivation. Their motivation is just, like you said, overwhelmed and they would just rather avoid that feeling of overwhelmed. They're not necessarily looking to keep any kind of specific peace for anybody. I like that, just even talking about the peacekeeper versus the peacemaker. Um, when I talk to nines, there's a difference between this. The peacemaker is a mediator. They're going to go in and they're going to have people have the hard conversations or be part of um, discovering what is difficult in a situation. That is the peacemaker. We're going to figure out how to do this. This is movement, right? If we look at peacekeeper, I feel like that's stuck, that's standing still. Um, I'm just going to be a peacekeeper by not doing anything. And that would not be the healthy side of a nine for sure. That would be a distress response of a nine to be the keeper part. And so that's two very different modes that the nine can find themselves in. I mean, it, the, the words are right there, keeper and maker. But I love that there is an active role that nines, healthy nines can play in relationships. I love that. All right. Well, Jackie, do you have a practical application for how we can handle fear and worry that you can leave us with um, as we conclude this podcast? Yes. I think that uh, beginning to recognize when fear and worry are active in your life and how you're responding to them. So really beginning to pay attention to 
um, how you're responding and what's causing you to respond that way. Just a little bit of awareness goes a long way. So as we work through Enneagram awareness, and that's oftentimes how I talk about Enneagram in general, is it is a tool of awareness. As we become aware of our patterns of behavior around stress and fear, we, we become aware, then we get to acknowledge the role that we play in our own story, not you know the role that our spouse plays or our kids play or friends or coworkers, but really the role we play in our own story. So I think it's you become an aware of that, which means you have to be observant of yourself. You've got to be curious around your own behaviors. What is going on inside of me? Why am I responding and reacting this way? And then is it a fear or is it a fear trigger? Is it a worry response? Like what is going on? From there, I think you can you can decide if it's working or not, if it's moving you towards people or pulling you away from people. Then we can look at the pivot towards change. What does it look like to make uh, moves towards change? And sometimes that's having somebody safe that we can say like, hey, when you did that, that really made me feel afraid. I had a conversation with somebody this week and she was unpacking something with um with her partner. And she was like, I'm just so angry. I'm so angry. And as we unpacked it, um, she said, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of what this means. And I said, okay, you want to go a little bit deeper into that? Um, and she said, like, I feel alone in this and that makes me afraid. And I don't know what the next moves are. And that makes me scared. And so we got to unpack it in a slower way. So she could kind of grab hold of what those feelings really are. And so I think that when you recognize what you're afraid of, you know, you recognize when worry enters the picture of your story, of your life, of your patterns of behavior, then we can decide what does responding look like. So instead of reacting, we begin to respond to situations hopefully moving towards somebody that can help us in this response. Yeah, I love that. I love that about the Enneagram in general is that it takes some of these things that are so hard for us to just wrap our minds around and it gives us a practical application that we can use. And like you said, just take that time and that space to think on where is this coming from? What am I going to do with this? As opposed to just sitting in the fear and worry and just letting ourselves get all worked up about it. Um, I love that. And I, I love that that just walks us towards health in all of our Enneagram numbers. Thank you, Jackie and Courtney, for walking us through fear and worry with the Enneagram types today. And thank you for joining us for part two of our special two-part episode on fear and worry. Join us next time as we talk about subtypes. You won't want to miss this. Also, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd love for you to leave a review. Your kind words help others find the show. If you'd like to get in touch or find out more about the Enneagram, follow us on Instagram at Enneagram with JB and Courtney B. Coaching. For more about Jackie and her resources, go to EnneagramWithJB.com. We'll see you next time on Enneagram Conversations with Jackie Brewster and Courtney Barman.